Just like Ian Wright said there, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and in some cases, good night. Do make sure you're hitting the like button, commenting and subscribing. People, deluded, I'm back again. Special guest settings, the man, the myth. Tom, how you doing, my guy? Appreciate you for tuning in and being here with me, man. No worries, man. Always a pleasure. Uh, again, always a pleasure just to watch your intro, to be honest. It's, uh, <laughs> it's always great. <laughs> my guy, man. And I'm happy you're here, man, because we finally won the game again. You know, April was a bit of a tough month. We started May with a bang. Let's get into it, man. Arsenal 3, Chelsea 1. What was your thoughts? I watched your, your I watched your reaction and your, your uh, post-game thoughts and things, but what did you make of the game, man? It was... It, it, it was a reaction that we wanted, you know, it was the performance that we wanted to see. And, you know, the I think that it was always going to be key to see how the players responded after the Man City defeat. And the quick start, the the quickness of thought, the passing, uh, the changes to the lineup from Arteta, you know, it just felt like everything was was as it should have been from the lineup through to the performance in the first half onwards. And if it only weren't for maybe a slight dip in the second half, which sometimes I kind of expect from a team when they go 3-0 up at half time, you don't tend to see teams go on and score four, five, six. They do tend to kind of manage the second half when they've already kind of got the game in control, which we did to some degree. But yeah, overall, very happy indeed with with how we responded. You touched on it there, and I find myself a bit puzzled. Like, you know, I, I, as you know, and I'm sure you agree, we're proud of Arsenal. We're doing great things, things that haven't been here for years. We've installed that into our play. But I do find myself wondering, when it's experienced players and young players, like, what is the reason? And like you said, obviously, they're human beings. You go free and a lot, you're going to be a bit complacent. But I felt in that game, we started well, as we always do. We put them to the sword. We're playing well. The fans are roaring. The players are up for it. We scored three goals. And I won't quite say we took our foot off the gas, but it did feel like that similar to a degree Liverpool and West Ham. Why do you think that is? Yeah, It's tough to know exactly the reason. I think there's part of it that's the reason why it being is just we we wanted to kind of manage the second half somewhat. And just we knew that we were playing on, on Sunday. It was a midweek game rather than a weekend game. And... And also, I think that there's always an expectation that you can't dominate a team for the entire 90. And yeah. eventually, they are going to have spells of their own. It's about how you then manage those spells and can you counter on those. And against Liverpool, for instance, we never really got on top of the the response from Liverpool. Yeah. It was just constant battering. We weren't able to take control of the game. There was, I think, a brief spell in the second half for like 10 minutes where we got on the ball a bit more. But again, Liverpool just came back and we we, we lost control of that fixture. And it was inevitability that they would eventually get a couple of goals and it could have been more in that fixture. But yeah, for Chelsea, they just lack the, the cohesiveness, the togetherness of that Liverpool side. They lack the quality as well. Um, and it's just a team of individuals. So it was a lot easier for Arsenal to, I think, manage through the second half. It is... I think difficult to kind of gauge sometimes how good you are in a game where you're playing against an opposition that just looks so fractured and so disjointed as Chelsea do right now. Trust me, I'm loving every second of it. Don't get me wrong. Amen. It's 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 difficult sometimes to gauge a performance. What I can gauge is obviously we're still capable of playing some great football. Odegaard showing some really good composure in the box, um, and I think players like Gabriel Jesus, Saka not looking tired, as has been described by you know some for a few weeks. I think Saka looked on it again and was a real threat for us. So yeah, all of those things I think have, have combined to see a, a good performance against a very weak side. 
I think you're right, man. And I think a big thing I love that uh, with Arsenal is I think in life you've got to enjoy what you're doing, no matter the, the you know, pressure is a privilege and it is a privileged position to be fighting, going toe to toe with a Manchester City side. Um, and I, it was nice to see we're back playing with a smile on our face. And I think that that's something that in the last couple of games, I think against Liverpool, as you said, we looked a bit shell-shocked towards the end, towards, you know, when, when the Anfield crowd got on top of us. West Ham, I think, was very complacent. Southampton, it looked like for me that we was considering too many external factors so when that first goal went in after 30 seconds we're very emotional and it was nice to bounce back you you touched on it there and I must admit just off topic like I knew Chelsea were bad and I did a lot of a couple of previews with some Chelsea content creators but I couldn't believe it like you said they were disjointed blunt in attack shambolic in defense a team of individuals a team of you know in many ways just it's Harlem Globetrotters a lot of expensive players a lot of decorated players but ultimately no soul to their football focusing on us though you know the January signings we bought them for moments like this. Let's start with Mr. Kirio before we get on to Jorginho and Trossard. What did you make of him? What did you make of his impact? Because I personally feel, you know, that the sample size on Kirio is quite small. He hasn't really played much, but I can't get at him for the Chelsea side not being great. I think Newcastle would be a different test, but I liked how Kirio played. Still looked a bit raw, but he allowed us to play more of our natural game that you don't get with holding, able to press up the field. And you saw it, you know, we're getting into lots of pockets of spaces. He was getting very deep with a Bamian. Yeah, do you think he's a better option than Rob Holding? What did you make of Kirill? Yeah, I did. We did a, a dedicated scout report on him on, on Football London for the game, which we're trying to do in each game now. We're just going to pick someone from the lineup that's a bit of a story Check and, and focus on them during the game. Yeah. And I think Kivior was always going to face pressure from playing in and out of natural area of the field on the right-hand sides. And I was talking actually to a couple of the journalists in, in the press now before the game, and we were talking about why has Arteta never played two left-footers. And one of the conclusions we came to is that left-footed centre-backs tend to always skew to the left-hand side. So if you play two left-footers, it leaves the right-back quite exposed. Now, yeah. in the sense of Arsenal, I think it's easier for Arsenal to play two left-footers than two right-footers because we have got kind of a defensive right-back option in, in Ben White. Whereas on the left-hand side, we've obviously got Zinchenko who likes to venture forward. So I think that, that dynamic actually still suits Arsenal more so than if it was two right-footed centre-backs playing next to Ben White. And I think that Kivior started the game a little nervous. There was a little of a, uh, an aerial Naturally. duel that he missed out on in the first minute. He gave the ball away, but then grew into things, I think, quite swiftly, adjusted very quickly. I think that was helped by Arsenal's confidence in the game and on the ball. And, and that, I think, is going to be key for a young centre-back. You know, Saliba at the start of the season was great and individually was great, but I think also helped by the overall team's performance being consistent. Whereas at Marseille last season, there were times where Saliba made mistakes because Marseille yeah, was vulnerable. Yeah, every reason every time exactly like what you're saying yeah so I think for Kivior in this season he needs a team like Arsenal playing in these games that are going to be very composed very much in control of the game lacking uh or against a side that are lacking in in a lot of threat and I think that if he starts against Newcastle for instance that's the that'll be when we really see what Kivior is capable of because they're a very good side, Newcastle. We're talking about a team that are, you know, easily going to be beating sides like Chelsea and have already got a good result against us this season at the Emirates. So if Kivior does start, which I'm expecting him to, I think that that's where we'll see his metal really tested. 
I'm with you, man. I think, like you said, his metal will be really tested. Newcastle are an informed side. St. James's Park is a nasty ground to go to on the best of days, much less with their form. Obviously, they've got a physical advantage in our players. You know, they're a very good team. They'll make the most of set pieces. So if Kirill can come through that, I think we're, we're, we're in good stead. Um, and you know what? With Kirill, I know we've kind of, football fans or specifically Arsenal fans, we're kind of focusing on what we need to do in the last few months of the season. But I think we need to remember Kirill was obviously brought to contribute in some degree this season. Season, but it's more for years and months as he grows and ideally puts pressure on Gabriel, shows his versatility and continues to grow with the side, really. Like you said, I think I think you made a great point. He did grow in confidence. I remember there was one shaky pass to Zinchenko. But other than that, he got going and I expect him to have that. He hasn't played too much. There's probably a bit of nerves. You know, he's a, he's a young man playing for Arsenal. Again, it can be a bit daunting, but he came through it very well. What did you make of Jorginho, man? Because I think he's very cheeky on Instagram. I know you've seen it where he's putting up the clip where he sat uh, Enzo Fernandez down. Jorginho was brilliant, in my opinion. But what did you make of his role? Yeah, I think it was really important that he started this game over Partey because Partey's had, you know, a couple of really emotional games, I would describe mm. them, where he's kind mm. of, like, allowed the game to get out away from him and he's reacted to things where he shouldn't have done and that's affected his performance. Whereas Jorginho is very much a calming presence mm. in a side when he plays. He's not rash. Yes, he can get turned and then he's scrambling to get back a bit. That's only down to his, his physical attributes rather than, you know, his mentality or his ability. His I think that very high. Exactly. He's just, he takes the ball, he plays it out, he plays it forwards when he needs to, he plays a safe pass when necessary. We talk about El Nenny being a bit too safe. Jorginho's got a bit of El Nenny about him in the sense that he plays safe, but he's obviously a different level of player. He progresses the ball, he plays it into the wide areas too. He adds leadership, I think, in the middle he of that experience really, yeah. of the high level. And so for Jorginho to play was key, especially ahead of the game against Newcastle, which I would certainly start him again to add that safety in a game like Newcastle. There's an argument that you can play both Partey and Jorginho together. I would have done that against City in, in the benefit of hindsight, but I think that what Jorginho will bring us against Newcastle now is, again, that calmness, that assuredness, and and someone that can obviously add um, just the composure that we need in the middle. I think you're talking facts, man. I think, again, it's, it's, I look back to when we signed Jorginho and Eddie was speaking about we brought him in to be experienced at crucial moments, continue our momentum, and he did that. Like I think on the basis of the City game, I think a lot of players were probably lucky to probably be starting that game. I don't think any players could really have any complaints. If he was dropped, Arteta needed to ring the changes. When you look at it, when we do have a couple of barren results, he is known to switch things up. You know, some fans don't believe that. And obviously, he made subs as well. What did you make of Trossard? Because I did feel, obviously, Saka's a bit like Armo Salah, regardless of if he's firing. He's a player that's always going to start because of what he gives you. But I did feel, if it was based on recent performances... Martinelli's probably unfortunate to be dropped. Jesus could have been dropped. If they who I don't know, but I would have started him. I would have assumed Saka could have been the guy out. But Trossard did very well, man. I think Arteta got everything right. What did you make of Trossard, man? Yeah, annoyingly good. I say annoying because it's the last four games he's not started. We obviously dropped points in all of them. And the seven games before that, he started every single one of them. And we won every single one of them. And then you start him again and we win. And it just, it leaves you frustrated man. because you're like, well, surely we should have been looking to try and fit him into one of those last four games because it seems when he plays, we're a better team. And when he's on the pitch, it always looks like something can happen. He's always dangerous. He's always trying to do something. I agree. And it, it only fills me with, with you know, annoyance and regret. Um, and it shouldn't because obviously you're appreciating a player that's really good. But at the same time, I can't help but be 
a bit frustrated that maybe we weren't proactive enough to try and fit him into the team, be it for a Xhaka, be it for resting Saka for a game, be it for swapping Gabriel Jesus out for a fixture. You know, even the Southampton game would have been a great chance, I think, to start Trossard, and we didn't. I, and it's I easy agree. To, I didn't think about that. That's yeah, it's easy to say it with hindsight, and we know that. But it seems as though at this moment in time, if we play Trossard, we're we're much more likely to win the game. And so against Newcastle, we have to find a way again to get him in. But it's it's one of those because Saka deserves to play. Jesus deserves to play, scoring regularly. Martinelli has been, I think, and is still our top scorer. So it's difficult. Oh, you know. But that's the problems that a team competing at the top of the table has. And I'm sure there are times when Man City fans are going, how on earth is Phil Foden not playing? How is Mares not getting enough scoring a hat-trick? You know? It's it's we've got to act like that team, and you are going to find times where you're going, how are they not starting? But I think what Arteta needs to master is that you can't play Trossard for seven games in a row, then drop him for four, then start for another. You need to find ways of like rotation, you know. So it's two on, one off, or one off, two on. That's that's the way forwards, I think, for Arsenal. So it's it's frustrating, but it's a good frustration if that makes sense <laughs> like you said man it's a good problem man we used to play respectfully to Lacazette he doesn't deserve to catch a straight but we used to play Lacazette in the 10 and struggle for creativity now we've got creativity in abundance now we finally got some good attacking options and I know some Arsenal fans are scared of depth but if we want to be a team that's competing if we want to be a team that's competing for multiple honours then we have to get comfortable with depth with the fact that someone might be frozen out whether they want to or not that you know their form might be great but they don't fit the team dynamic dynamic i agree with you in that we're at that point in the season now where i kind of want to ride the momentum of certain individual players and inform and trossard's got every reason he's got that bit of you know chip on his shoulder that if you're saying it and i'm saying it and while the manager's decision is the manager's decision and the ego goes before it goes um after the team i'm sure he's got a bit of frustration to not be playing you know again you're playing week in week out at brighton you're an experienced player so i wanted to see that what did you make of granite xhaka bossed it yeah, he's, uh, again, this enigmatic player that continues to create debate about what we do with him, uh, how we move forward with or without him. And it's performances like we saw against Chelsea, I think, that demonstrate perfectly why he continues to divide, continues to create these internal conflicts for fans. Because people talk a lot about the fact that we should we need to replace Xhaka. You know, we need to bring someone that's going to be better than Xhaka. And I think we need to get away from this word replace and start moving towards They're words like upgrade, you know, because teams like, you know, you think about, again, I go back to Man City because they're the example. They're the team that you need to be looking to. Fernandinho wasn't replaced by Rodri. Fernandinho was upgraded on by Rodri and kept for a number of seasons whilst Rodri was there. he was on his last legs, essentially. You can't underestimate exactly. his impact off the field as well. And that's why you need to make sure you do that again with Xhaka. And I know some people have wanted to be shot of Xhaka for a long time because he's done things in the past that have frustrated oh, them. But now we have to appreciate what he brings to the team and what he's doing in the team. And we're in a title race because of a lot to do with his contribution to the team this season. And again, that showed with the passes into Xhaka, uh, to Erdegaard, sorry, that were really good. Getting into that position twice in the box, where three times actually in the box, where he could have scored one in ended up in the goal. Exactly. One one with Aspilicueta's crazy backheader. The yeah, next yeah. one that led to the goal is Jesus. And the third one, which was a shot that was parried by, by Kepa. You know, any of those could have ended in goals had it not been for a bit of, you know, better finishing or better decision-making in those moments. And that's props to Xhaka for being there. But the passes to, to Erdegaard were 
brilliant. I mean, the, the defending is comical, especially when it's a carbon copy. You know, I made the joke yesterday that the Ashburton Army, of course, that missed the first goal, they didn't need to watch a replay because they just got to go and watch the second goal. So it was exactly the same again. Gee, and gee, gee. that was fantastic from Xhaka and, and really highlighted what he brings to the team going forward. I don't, I don't, I, I don't disagree with anything you said. I think you could say what you want about Xhaka. You could say you could upgrade on on that role. Me personally, where the eight and the six role were concerned, I think we could do with competition or long term heirs to that throne. But I don't think we should get shot of Xhaka. I think the first reason is, as you've seen, whether we've been in the Europa League, been in no Europe, had Champions League a few years ago, we have suffered with injuries. They're an inevitability. Xhaka is one of the most ever-present players that we have, really. And that is one of the best traits you can have. He's always available. And you, you I think people underestimate how much Xhaka not being there could impact, or anybody really, a key player, what Arteta is trying to do. So I think he's always there. We all know his experience and what he offers on the field. And off it. I think he's obviously a decent player, reinvented himself. I think he's someone that I like him because he always fronts up to the music. He doesn't mix it. He doesn't mix things. He'll say if he made a mistake. He's someone that you want to go to war with and indirectly go to war for. And kind of makes makes me think, and I'm being a bit reactionary now, but when I look at our midfield, as I do think sometimes you miss Xhaka, sometimes you miss Partey, and we need to keep both of them. There are games where I'm, I, I think to myself, when Partey's really on it, if Partey had a, had an eight that was a bit better than Xhaka, what would he be saying? But now I'm starting to think, and I still think it with Xhaka, and now I'll start, not that I know Arteta, but I'm starting to think, is, is Arteta more looking for someone to play with Xhaka on a regular basis versus Partey? And I say that because I think Partey is the better player, you know, when they're both on their day. But I do think Xhaka plays more to his maximum, like the best Xhaka. And Partey doesn't really do that. Partey is very good. And then sometimes every now and again, you get the Man United performance of a few years ago or the North London derby where he's on it. Do you think, you know, for example, if Declan Rice was to sign, he's more likely to partner Xhaka or, or Partey or, or, or someone of that ilk? I, I absolutely see what you're saying, especially about kind of the consistency of playing at the, the closest to your peak. I think you're right. I think Jack yeah. is probably probably our most consistent performer this season. You know, um, Saliba obviously had a bit of a dip after the World Cup. Gabriel had a dip at the start of the season. Ben White's flitted in and out of games at times, despite being really good. Zinchenko's had dips. Erdegaard's gone missing in, in some bigger games this season. Saka's had dips as well. So have Jesus and Martinelli. Jack is probably the most consistent performer, you know, across this season. There, yeah, exactly. And, and when he's not there, like we saw again, like, I have no doubt if he was playing against Southampton, we win that game. You know, in the same way that if we hadn't made the mistake at the start, I think we'd win that game. So it shows you the importance uh, of how big of a, a factor he is in this side. But you're right. Rice coming in, I think, honestly, Rice can play either of the six or the eight yeah, role. Um I think what the goal that he scored against Ghent in the Conference League, that brilliant run through, you know, that shows the technical level that he has. And he's actually scored, a, I think, a goal since as well. Was it against Bournemouth? I think yeah, he scored. Yeah, he's, um, he's been finding the goals, man. He's showing Arteta that he's a multifunctional midfielder. Get it done, get it signed and sealed, man. Absolutely. So, fingers crossed that's going to be the case. You know, he's the number one target in the midfield for Arsenal this summer. That's who we want. And I think, obviously, that is the type of signing Arsenal need to start making if they want to establish themselves at the top. But Xhaka, I think, is going to be part of that establishment. He said he's not going to leave the club until they do something special. And I think we know that finishing second is whilst very great. It's great. You know, I love, I love the season we've had. It's a great show of progression. But it's not the special ending that I think Xhaka was looking for. If we'd have won the league, I would have been interested to see what he would have done if he would have then taken that as gone, you know, great achievement. Now I'm going to move on. 
Um, we, it would have been intriguing to see how he would have reacted, but we we likely, you know, it's won't be doing that this season now. But how he progresses still and how he figures in the, in the dressing room is going to be important for us. I think that's a great point, man. I think on the face of it, had you have won the league and things like that, after how it started for you, I don't know, I don't like to say how it started for you at Arsenal mm. because. I do think he was misunderstood, but how it started and how Arteta's rejuvenated you, it would have been great, but it would be unfinished business. And regardless, I think we need to hold on to a couple of those players. If we go back to the Chelsea game now, the only thing I can really put as a mark against us is it felt like a bit of Leeds, Crystal Palace, potentially Brighton away, um, Leicester at home where it's one-way traffic. We dominate the game and it's all smiles and we won. But if and I and I know I'm being very harsh and I'm only being hard, I'm only being cruel to be kind because we need to change our thinking defensively. Why did we concede? Why is there a lack of clean sheets? Why do we have this this, this sort of aspect of our game of kind of giving team something? Because I'm pretty sure you saw the tide of the game. I would say just before we conceded, you could see that there was nervy moments. Like I think the, the goal scorer Noni, he had an opportunity where we was behaving like Chelsea, where we tried to clear it. It's coming off other players and he's tried to go around Ramsdale. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. And I do think sometimes in games that happens and I want my players to kind of take that as a warning and we don't. And a few later, a few seconds later, we concede. Like, why, why do you think we concede? Because Chelsea haven't been scoring as great as they are. They haven't been scoring, but we had to be the team to give them something. And we laugh at Chelsea, but they've still conceded less goals than us this season. It's crazy, isn't it? It's crazy. And we've conceded 39. And, you know, City as well, to be fair, have conceded 30, um, which isn't the least in the league. Newcastle are the least in, in 27. Um, nine goals more conceded than City is the reason why we won't win the title at this stage, you know. Um, it seems like a small number, but, you know, nine games, you know, that that's the difference between nine. That could be nine goals, sorry. It could be nine games worth Sometimes of points. Sometimes winning positions as well. Like exactly. Like Southampton away, man. You're right. 100%. And so you that needs to factor into what happens next season. Why we're conceding goals, it's difficult. I think one of the reasons, obviously, is we're playing a more expressive form of football with Zinchenko yeah. in this left-back position. And there's a persistent call to like play Tierney. And I think that there are arguments for that in certain games. Like we could have played him against City. We could, could have, have played him against Tierney. Liverpool a lot sooner. Exactly. Could have brought him on against Liverpool sooner. We could play him this weekend against Newcastle, although I'm not too keen on giving them any more reason to sign him. Yeah. Um, but we could play <laughs> him on Sunday as well. Um, it's. I think the trade-off is worth it with Zinchenko. I think that he brings so much going forward, and that showed in both the first two goals that we scored against Chelsea. The the, the contribution he makes to the team is is so important. I also, also think it allows us to play with kind of this single pivot figure because Zinchenko supports that that defensive midfielder as well. But it, you are going to have the drawbacks, and the drawbacks are the Madueke goal, and you know where he switches off, and unfortunately has the ball played in behind, and it's a really easy position to get into. I agree. It's it's how you then try and mitigate that. Now, does that mean that Gabriel has to do more? Does it mean that Xhaka or Partey or Jorginho has to do more? I, I think it probably does lean onto that more than it does Inchenko because Inchenko is what he is. Ultimately, he is going to be. I upfield. agree with that. You've got to accept him for what he is. You have to accept him for what he is. Yes, he could be better in the tackles. Yes, he could not get nutmegged by Trent in those. But they're they're individual moments. I think that. You, yeah, I'm sorry. But like he he has to be supported by those around him. And Gabriel's doing a great job, but I think that we could do more maybe in the system to support. And maybe that's on Martinelli or whoever's the left winger as well to be more supportive on that left-hand side too. Maybe 
we've come a little bit too uh, complacent, too strong, but maybe too overconfident in how much we can commit forwards without necessarily going backwards. But also a lot of it comes with not making silly errors and not giving the ball away in, in dangerous positions like we have done. If you look at the number of goals we conceded, I'd be willing to bet that probably more than 50% of them you can find an error in on Arsenal's part for why we've conceded. So, yeah. I think you're right. And I think it goes back to what we said at the start about, you know, for us to go to that next level, we need to love the dirty aspects. Like I'm sure in your journalism world, there's a there's many single traits of your job that you love. There's jobs, there's parts of it that you probably despise and don't have much time for, but you recognize... Yeah, I've got to come onto other people's YouTube channels and talk all the time. <laughs> <laughs> this guy. But yeah, even stuff like that, you recognise that it's a necessity. I think you made a great point in that I do... Yeah. If 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 Xhaka can start scoring goals and improve, then I think it's a bit different. But Zinchenko, you can you can defend a lot better. Mm. Like you can learn things. I don't think you're ever going to be an elite defender. And I do think we've got to remember. Essentially, he was a centre mid that saw an opportunity to get game time. So naturally, he doesn't think like a defender. That's why you get caught flat footed. I think you've got several players do that. I think we're quite poor on the transition. I think at times, unfortunately, we're a bit emotional, and I hate to use it, but we do have players with a bit of bozo moments. Like I love Ramsdale. And Gabriel, for example, and it's not just them, but they do go through a bit of, you know, heart and mouth moments. And that that's not just them, really. And you made a great point in a series of errors. I've seen us lose the ball. In, you know, I go back to the Spurs game at, um, at, um, at the Emirates. You know, Saka's dispossessed by Bentacore. It's seven Spurs players, it's seven Arsenal players, sorry, against two in midfield. And then we've not dealt with it. And ultimately, it's led to the penalty, I believe, with Gabriel. So I think we've got to kind of learn that in the same way I think with Tini, while I like his willingness when he does play to play that inverted role, you're never going to get a centre mid standard like Zinchenko. You're never going to get an elite defender. So it's just down for them to, to improve in what they can, maybe do something in the transfer market and for Arteta to, like you said, mitigate against it with other personnel or know when there's a time and a place, essentially, really. How do you feel about the fact that we've got four goal, four players on 10-plus goals in the league with Odegaard, Jesus, Saka, Martinelli? I think I've got all of them. It's, it's great stuff, isn't it? I think. Yes, absolutely brilliant. Like, obviously, I'd like to see the number nine feature um more and score more and when you know what you're up against and yeah I, I know that the easy response that is to say well look how many of man city's players feature in the top 15 scorers in the table and i think it's just i think it's still just harland um that does his kind of goals you can probably let that one slide eh? <laughs> and it's not just that it's obviously the defense and the midfield that they've got and someone like rodri in there and the and how they structure themselves and how they just lack you know as i say they've only conceded 30 goals compared to our 39 but what Arsenal are doing is, I think, rightly, if you are a team that plays as collaboratively and with the style that Arteta wants, it's never going to be around one centre forward. And that's why it was never really going to work with Aubameyang as our number yeah, nine. Yeah, and that's yeah. why I think you saw yesterday, as we saw so many times when we went and played against teams that would boss the possession, an isolated figure that was just effectively, with all respect, useless in the game. Because he's just, that's it's not what you need. And we need to get better at the same terms when we go to City and we lack the ball. You want players like Odegaard, Saka, Jesus, Martinelli to be better out of possession, to be able to take possession and use it efficiently when the small moments that we get it. And they're not quite there. But because we are, I'd say for out of the 38 games, we're dominating around 36, 35 to 36 of them with Anfield away, Old Trafford away, probably the other two where we were not as on the possession as, as we'd yeah, like to be as well as the two Man City well, games. We at it, but a handful yeah. of times with that. 
And when you're dominating 35 games, I think that you're going to see players like Martinelli, Erdegaard, um, Saka and Jesus pick up the goals. Now, I think that we can add another forwards to this team in the summer, be that um, you know, another wide player. Say? say again, sorry? He said, mention forward, what sort of profile? I'd I like variation. I like options. You know, I like having the opportunity to use something different. I've appreciate that Balogun and you know and Ketia, I think, kind of fall into the Jesus style uh, a little bit more. I know Balogun's more direct and more of a more traditional number nine, but I think obviously he's played in wide areas too. Has done for Arsenal, did do for Middlesbrough when he was on loan there. He can you know skew to one side, usually the left hand side. I would like a physical option. I've waxed lyrical about Gonzalo Ramos at Benfica. He's kind of the guy that I'd like, you know. Someone power. that would be a lamppost at times for us, man. Indeed, yeah. You know, you need that. But I think someone who's powerful and, and speedy at the same time and can bully defenders, you know, I'd you know, I'd love our own Erling Haaland is, is what I'm basically saying. Yeah, I'd love yeah, someone that yeah, can be I think we all would, man. <laughs> that imperious figure as well. But, you know, Colo Moani at Frankfurt is a player I like as well. I'd love to see him, someone like him at Arsenal, someone who's got Showing that. The World Cup, he's got some talent. A hundred percent. Both Ramos and Amwani both did. So, yeah, either of them two. Ozzyman would be a dream. Um, but, yeah, I think it's still great that we're seeing so many goals. Do you think, let me throw the question back to you, do you think that if you add that striker, that's that's kind of the more Haaland style of being that classic number nine, the goals are focused on him, how big of a drop-off do you think we would see in Saka and Erdegaard and Martinelli's goals? I don't think you would see much of a drop-off, really, because the, the City lads are still relatively scoring. Now, obviously, if we were to get Ireland, you, you know, or, or a player of that, you want to give them a lot of service. But I don't think it will. I think even Haaland, I think, you know, I, I don't know why, but after the Community Shield, people said he would struggle here. Then there was a period where when City weren't on top of teams where... Like you said, with Aubameyang, he was an isolated figure. I think the difference is, you know, he's young, he's impressionable, he's learning under Pep. And I'm sure you've seen it, like, in the last few months, weeks, whatever, Haaland's general players come a long way. Like, unfortunately, he showcased it against us where Holding tried to get tight to him. He's knocked it off to, to, to Kevin and they've did what they've needed to do. I don't, I mean, naturally, if one, if another attacker comes in or any, there's, there might be less game time for everybody, whether that's off the bench, on the bench, starting. So naturally that could have a feel. But I personally think good players will always thrive with good players, really. And that might actually help them. Like, I, I know he's not quick, but a Giroud with his link-up play, that might give Sacco and Cole an outlet because, you know, a bit like what Alexis Sanchez used to say, like to do to Danny Welbeck, I'm going to pass him the ball because I know he's going to pass it straight back to me. So I think it would help. And I think it would also indirectly help Saka in terms of personnel, because if we did get that more physical number nine, assuming they're on Jesus's level and scoring goals and things, Jesus might find himself having to play out wide and that could obviously have a knock-on effect for resting Saka. But I agree with you. I think we need it. I think we need it in terms of maybe being a bit direct, but I also think a, a more physical striker helps us defend a bit better, especially getting out of our half, which we couldn't do against City. And I was really, I was really like upset about it at Anfield, especially in the closing areas of the game, because I like Trossard in the false nine, but as you know, there's a time and a place, and he's not going to win too much against Virgil Van Dijk, if nothing more. Van Dijk against a more physical opponent, he's going to get, he's going to foul him a couple of times. We, as you know, we get further up the field. So I, I agree with you. Really, I think there's scope to bring in either another winger or another striker I, again i'll never say no to quality but i just feel we're we're getting very good balance there and i feel unless somebody leaves um that's a, that's a regular or in a couple of years trossard is declining i don't think there's a need unless they're 
undoubtedly better than what we have. So I'm with you with that. I think if we could get a physical number nine, if we could get a couple of centre mids, I still want Ivan Fresnado at right back. And, and I'd actually say a right-sided centre-back on top of anything else Arteta wants. We get that. And I think we continue to cook, if I'm completely honest with you, man. Keeping up the theme with transfers, man. What have you made of, you know, free, free Halem boys? Let's start with Charlie Patton. It's come out that, you know, he's saying the pathway isn't quite there, rightly so. He wants to develop as a footballer. And while he's not gone yet, it seems like, based on reports, he's leaving. Yeah, yeah. I spoke to someone close to the player last week and... The what I was basically told is that it's it's all to do with timing, unfortunately. Unfortunately, um, it's a case of Arsenal are going into the Champions League next season and are going to be looking to strengthen that midfield massively. You know, they don't, as we've been talking, we don't want to replace players. We want to reinforce the existing options that we have. So Jorginho, Partey, Jack are all probably going to be there next season. We're extending El Nenny's contract as well. I don't think that, that affects anything, but you know, he's he's going to be there. Exactly. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen with Sambi Lakonga at this point. He could still be there. There's suggestions and that maybe he goes out again. Exactly. We, we don't know what's going to happen. And if we were talking like two years ago and Patino was at this stage, we might be seeing Patino come into the team next season. But there just is not the pathway for him. And Arsenal, I think, would be open to sending him on another loan next season. But this isn't He's Arsenal's good. decision regarding him going out permanently. This is coming from him. It's what he, I believe, is being advised to do. And I think it's completely fair. Um, if I take my Arsenal hat off, you know, if I was Patino, I would look to to emulate what Jaden Sancho did, for instance, and find a club that are going to play you at an elite level on a regular basis and, and raise your profile. Because there is too many examples now of, unfortunately, players that have stayed at their club I mean, you look at Reese Nelson, for example, you know. Unfortunately. Stayed at the, unfortunately. Stayed at the club, wasn't, didn't see the pathway there. We had Pepe, you know, previously. We had Iwobi still there, I think, when he was coming through. And we then brought in Saka and we brought in Martinelli. And Technically, we've seen the, William come to the carpet as well. People like that. Exactly, yeah, great example. William coming in. And then you're thinking, well, how on earth am I going to get time? Goes to Feyenoord, has a decent loan deal comes back with a year left on his deal, stays, and there's no indication that he's going to get enough game time to convince. And then by the time the Arsenal have thought, well, actually, maybe there's something here at 23, turning 24 this year, later this year, it's it's too late. And I think with Patino, he has to go, look, I'm 19. I don't want to be 23 like Nelson and still figuring out what I'm going to do. I want to be 21, established in a team, and playing regularly and, you know, my value skyrocketed. And that's probably not going to happen at Arsenal with what they're looking to do because I'm just not going to get them in. It's not that he couldn't be good enough to play for Arsenal in a couple of years, but he won't be if he's not played in the two years prior on a regular basis. And I don't think that happens unless he leaves. And I think you're right there. I think, like you said, taking Arsenal hat off, I'm sure he wants to. You know, you're seeing Haylem boys, whether they're on the peripheral, playing on a regular basis, Arteta is playing young players. More so the young players that were here already and refining them than giving Haylenders chances. Like, I'm not criticising Arteta for that. I'm just doing the massive. I was patting a bunch of Haylem boys in the last two years been on the bench. Not too many have played, so you're probably just bodies among everything. As you said, there's a lot of players who in midfield are going to play ahead of you and we're going to bring people in. And there's players whose futures are under 
undecided, but they've either been bought for multi millions, they're playing for their countries, etc. You know, I think you've got to do what you've got to do to be a, a, a better footballer 12 months from now. And if that's going somewhere where there's less resources, there's more of a tailored pathway rather than just one of many, it makes sense. I, I just hope we can get a sell on clause, potentially a buyback clause, because I do think, as Arteta said, we've got a slow cook, Charlie. I do think there would have been a pathway eventually, but as you said, there it's unfortunate, you know. Let's be honest, Smith Rowe, Saka to a degree, Eddie, definitely Eddie and Nelson, them two especially, they've probably benefited because for years we haven't quite been the Arsenal team we've been. So there's been a lot of chances. It's very the dynamics are very different now coming into it where we're actually performing well. There's a degree of expectation, and we're gonna lose players time and time again, just like everyone. Like it it, it, it kind of just is what it is, man. I, I just have to make sure we just have to make sure better yet that we don't we just don't miss him. But Let's just get a decent deal. And it's another thing on top of the million things Edu has to have. You know, what would you make of Reese Nelson on that as well? Because you kind of touched on it vaguely. Do you think he's gone? Apparently, he's turned down his first deal. Now, as you know, in business, the first offer is never really accepted. That seems to be documented, the first offer that's actually officially been placed at his table. If I was him, on one hand, I would want to stay. Arteta likes me. I'm starting to get a bit of game time. I'm a good squad player. I'm comfortable here. But on the other hand, when you see the teams that are linked with him and the first team football you could get and how you could establish yourself, I'd probably go. Like, I can't say leaving Arsenal is the right decision, but is it the wrong decision, potentially? I don't know where you're at with it. No, I don't think it's the wrong decision if he leaves. I've been saying for a while, if I was him, I think I would leave. I think he needs to find himself a club that he can establish himself at, similar to what we're talking about with Patino, but it's, it's a few years too late. But he's still got, at 23, you can still recover. You know, you can still get yourself into a good team and playing regularly at a good level and then build yourself back up again. Exactly. Players, you know, peak late and sometimes players come through late. We saw that of Olivier Giroud, you know, came through at Montpellier at 25 at the top level, you know. They so to make his story into a movie, really. It'd be a wonderful. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. Exactly. So the same can be said for Nelson. And I think that Brighton is a interesting profile of club to move to. I think it's a very Brighton style bit of business. I do have a small concern about that for Nelson. And obviously they've got players like Solly March and Mitama yeah, and they look definitely play there. Yeah, I mean he's going to he, he's going to be facing competition. But if you know, if if another team further down the table were say to come in for him that are that have got you know ambitions of trying to be slightly further up in the table you know you think about say a Brentford you know for instance like a Brentford could be a really good place for someone like very good so I I think the right thing is to move um it's interesting though that he said in the in the winter break because um he was out in Dubai obviously with the team and my colleague Kai Karnick was out there as well and he actually asked Nelson about what he wanted to do and he said he wanted to stay he wanted yeah, to every interview was saying I want to stay I want to stay so I don't know if yeah. things have changed or you know if this is just yeah. tactics I don't know maybe the contract is just not what he's looking for and maybe it's not enough to convince him it didn't seem like when it was reported by Sammy Mottbell that the the contract being rejected was like he's rejected and like Patino he's going it was like yeah. he's rejected the contract offer not that it's done it's just been rejected so that it could still be that he stays but I feel as though at the moment in time it's more likely he doesn't I'm with you with that. What about Smith Rowe, man? Like you mentioned on the Sammy Mokbell article, man, it didn't say Smith Rowe's 100% leaving. It said, you know, I think it, when it said Kieran Tierney, Rob Holding, Smith Rowe, and I, it said that they're the clubs willing to listen to offers. Now, I don't know if that's true. I'm just personally think it's easy to make rumours about that because 
Obviously, Smith Rowe wasn't playing. Obviously, he's an England international. We saw last season what he could have, what he brings to the table. Naturally, he's someone that could attract interest, and probably Arsenal will have to field some calls. You know my thoughts. Like I, I'm with Smith Rowe to the end. I, I'll really have a hard time accepting him going, man. So I'd rather someone else speak on it, man. What would you make of Smith Rowe's future? Do you think he's gone? No, I don't. Um, I, I, I think <laughs> I think that he will be here next season. I think the next season is a huge, huge season for him because um, he'll be fully fit from the start of the campaign. Pre-season, he'll be available. And as long as he doesn't get injured, he's got a great chance of making an impact. You know, we know what he's capable of. You know, we know that he can perform at a very, very high level. We know he's good enough to be an England international. You know, so all of that we know. And there's a lot, you know, there's not, we're not looking at him like Nelson or Balogun, or even in Ketty to a lesser extent, where there's a lot more unknowns about those yeah, players. Yeah, you know Smith Rowe's undoubted quality and consistency levels. Yeah, 100%. And we know what you're going to get with Smith Rowe, and we know what he's capable of, we know the, the, the talent that he possesses, the potential that he, he's got. The, the issue, obviously, is that I think the reason why we're seeing words like open to offers is that I think Arsenal will be very well aware of the fact that whilst he's not starting, and whilst that we've got you know, players like Martinelli and Trossard and people doing what they're doing. And Vieira's obviously come in. He's there for long term. Matter what you think of Vieira, he's there. You know, they've invested in him. And if Arsenal were to get, if Arsenal were to get a mad offer, you know, we're talking 50 million plus, 60 million plus for Smith Rowe, that could tempt them. You know, I think I could, that could possibly be, tempt I can't, them. I could forgive them for being, for being tempted. I think it, when I remove my Smith Rowe hat, good money when you consider the injury record and what's going on and if you bring in a couple of players i'm not mm. saying i won't miss him as a fan but from a footballing point you won't miss him man i think if, if if nothing comes to it he's a decent squad player for us when i'm looking at players that are moving for the figures that they're moving do i think that you can replace smith Rowe if you sell him for 60 million 100 percent, 100 percent. like you know you, you take off the nostalgia take off the emotional attachment you know bakaya saka is a priceless player at arsenal Gabriel Martinelli is arguably priceless at Arsenal. You know, I don't look at Smith Rowe in the same way yeah. as being well. exactly what before I might have done. You know, I might have said, Wow, you know, what a talent we've got. But I think that there is that a lot has gone on in the last 18 months that has opened us up to being more amenable to the idea that if a big offer came in, that he could he could potentially move for it. So I think that's why we're maybe being quoted as being open to offers. Um, but that doesn't mean that we're open to selling in for nothing. I think it means we're open to offers if they are silly and kind of like can't turn down level of offers. And you're right, man. And the good thing is, I think everyone forgets, but, you know, he signed the contract. So hopefully, while we can do better at selling, hopefully we're in a position to get top money in something that is irresistible. I mean, I don't want to let him go. If nothing more, he could be a super sub like he showed at points last season. But I think, like you said there, crucially, it's about staying fit. I want you to come back. You're going to have to accept this year, but next season come back and take your spot from Martinelli because that's who stole your spot. Martinelli, don't let him do that. If there's competition there, we get the best Arsenal team that there is. Moving away from that and talking about potential incomings then, man, what do you make of Mark... I'm not going to ask you on Declan Rice, but me and you have spoken about him countless of times. Um, what do you make of Musa Diaby and Mark Gurry? Yeah, Diaby's a, a really, really good player um, and he will cost you a fee that represents that really, really good status that he has. Um, I mean, 14 goals, 10 assists across 42 games is is a really good return. Last Easy. season, he got an even better return. I think he was into well beyond um, like 20 to 30 goal contributions across the season. I'm just checking now. He got 
um, in 21-22. Uh, yeah, plus 30, 31 goal contributions in, in 42 games. 100 goals, man, like Arteta wants. Exactly. And I think that his versatility to play on both flanks is also really, really strong. Um, and he can also play through the middle. I mean, I say he can, he has featured centrally as well. So that's potentially extra versatility that we've got in the team too. He's going to cost you a lot of money. You know, you're looking at 70 million, I think, for someone like him by Leverkusen. Don't have to sell him. He's on a good deal. I don't think they even want to sell him this summer. I think they want another season of him, to be honest, before. Well, Euro, uh, so it might make sense exactly. to stay, develop and then move off the back of that for a number of players. 100%. Hundred um, percent. So it's going to be an expensive one, but uh, if you want to sign players that compete with Saka and Martinelli, you're going to have to pay a lot of money to do that. Mark Gay is again a player that, like, ironically, has kind of taken what the route that Patino and others are taking, where he's leaving that big club and he's going to play for someone like Palace, where he's trying to get more regular game time. What I like about Gay is his technical ability is good, you know, for a centre back. And if we're looking at trying to bring in you know, a ball-playing defender and someone that's got a greater ability to help build up play. Gehi's got that now at a Premier League level um, and has had that for some time now with Palace, of course. And even though he featured in, in small amounts for, for Chelsea, I think it was what during that season that they couldn't buy any players and Frank Lampard yeah, was, yeah, was boss, yeah, was it? Yeah, when he was yeah. playing with Tammy Abraham as well. You know, he was showing some really interesting um, performances already at such a young age. But at 22... I think it's a perfect age if you've got a season or two under your belt in the Premier League to then make another step forwards. And I think competing with William Saliba would be great. You know, it gives us Champions League level competition, I think, as well. He's that good. So, yeah, if Arsenal can get hold of someone like Mark Gay, again, it's going to be expensive. But any player that competes with the starting 11 side is, is going to have to be expensive. Look how much City played for Calvin Phillips, for instance. You know, so and look, if Rodri's your guy that's starting every game, I don't think many Man City fans care that Man, you know Phillips isn't getting too many games. Uh, it's it's why they bought him is for that coverage and competition at a Premier League exactly. level. The same way that if Saliba plays every game in the league and Gay gets some opportunities from the bench or plays in the Champions League group stage or plays in the cups, you know, fine. If we spend forty million on a guy that does that but does it to a really good level, I'm not complaining. So that's what Arsenal need. And if Saliba has what he has now and gets injured then we've got a really competent backup that can come in and do a really, really good job, much better than the existing options that we have now. So, yeah, I would be very open to Mark Gay, but I think there are other options out there as well. So uh, I don't think we're necessarily just limited to him. That's the only thing is that he's going to cost a premium. And I know Cronkays aren't exactly strapped for cash. I know, obviously, we're going to be in the Champions League. We did not get the players, but we've shown with Mudrik and Caicedo, if we are convinced, we are prepared to put our money to a degree where our mouth is. I just don't know if, centre-back of that price tag is the, is, is the priority because our money has to probably go into central midfield and elsewhere. Obviously, I'm not a finance man. I don't know. I agree with everything you said. I think, obviously, Gerhi's shown that, you know, Crystal Palace, respectfully, have to defend for their lives. So, I want to see a bit of that at Arsenal. Um, and, obviously, he's captained them despite his young ages and being there for a certain ilk. So, there's a quality of his character and that's something that, as you know, Mikel Arteta is a stickler for. As much as I like Gabriel and Saliba, it was probably, you know, not sensible to believe that they would both be fit for every game and things like that. It comes with football. And as you said earlier, if we want to be like City, then we should look at City. They've got fantastic options. They have the luxury of playing Kyle Walker and actually Rodri as centre-halves. They've obviously got, at least for now, Laporte, Diaz, Stones, etc. And I'm not saying we need to have exactly the same bodies, but we need options. If we could get a Gurhi or a right-sided centre-back, 
Kirill keeps developing. Gabriel and Saliba's partnerships blossoming. You've obviously got Tommy Asu and Benjamin White who can go over there. I think we're kind of comfortable in that regard. What do you make us? What do you make of Lavia, Zaha, and Pedro Neto? Pedro Neto, I think, is a ship that's probably sailed. Um, I think that the injuries are just too frequent, and he just looks a bit of a risk, and he would cost a lot of money. I really liked the profile, but I just think the risk is too high for the investment I you're going to put in. Um, Lavia, brilliant player. You know, of all the teams will that are going buy? down this season, you know, he's probably the one that you would say from all those relegated sides will be snapped up before anybody else. Technically great, brave, uh, progressive, really likes to be on the ball, you know, doesn't shy away from, from being involved in the game at any level when he's still really young. So again, a really good backup option to, to Rice if we want someone coming in in a deep, progressive midfield position. And Zaha is, I think I compared this morning Zaha to Jorginho, like that type of signing where you're bringing in someone on a two-year deal max and it's because you've not been able to get in your primary target in those wide areas. But it's still a good option, but doesn't necessarily, you know, scratch the itch, if you like, that we need to yeah, make sure yeah, that we do. Yeah. It uh, kind of buys us time to assess other targets and maybe in windows to come. I'm with you. Exactly. That. And that look, if we sense. sign... I'll be disappointed if we signed Zaha because I think it would represent us not being able to once again get the players that we get need to get targets, in yeah. a really important summer window. I'll be satisfied in the sense that we've brought in a player that can definitely add quality and goals and Premier League experience into that area of the, the squad, but I won't be overjoyed or necessarily excited because in another window we've not got the player that we set out to achieve to get now if that is Musa Diaby fine I don't know if it is the primary target that's who Sammy Mottbell believes is the primary target in a wide area it could be a number of players but I think Zaha is just certainly not up to the top end of what we're looking at and would be only coming in if we can't and also if he comes in it would have to be surely start early on in the window because he's going to be going for free. Yeah, so yeah. if he is the alternative, hopefully that's a sign that Arsenal are looking to move quickly and make decisions fast. That's the positive, I think, with that link. I think I'm with you. I think everyone can see Zaha as a wonderful player, Premier League proven, would have that chip on his shoulder because it didn't work out at Man United. You know, kind of a bit of a smart signing like Jorginho and to a lesser degree, Trussard, who is obviously younger than him. But I think fundamentally it is like what you say in that, yeah, I praise the club and any club that finds alternatives, but it would be another one where you didn't get it done. And I, I personally think the Zaha boats kind of sailed. Um, and also, and just, just also, it's like, it's, it's not one, like you said, that that pushes the ball out a bit. So it just wouldn't make sense for me beyond the, beyond the obvious, but we're going to have to see. My final question for you, man, what's your thoughts going into the Newcastle game? What's your prediction? Uh, trepidation, <laughs> um, to be honest, because they're very good. They're annoying. Scary good. team, man. Scary team, the Geordie lads are, man. Eddie Howe has done an amazing... Like, we can all talk about the fact that they've had money and they've brought in quality players, but Chelsea have had money and they've brought in quality players. Money it's about Rose. how you mesh all of those aspects together, how you coach your team, how you bring them in, into one place. And Eddie Howe has done a brilliant, brilliant job. You know, if, if Arsenal if Arsenal win the league, Arteta's manager of the season. If Arsenal don't win the league, it's between Eddie Howe and Deserby. It's either one of those two to, to take that, that title because what they I have mean, both done at their respective teams. Yeah, what they've both done is amazing. It is an absolutely amazing job both of them have done. I don't like Newcastle. I don't like the aspects around Newcastle. But, you know, the team, if you just look at it from a footballing perspective purely, you know, 
they're so dangerous with what they've got. Um, what he's done with Jacob Murphy recently and how the form he's come to the fore. He's done with Joe Linton. <laughs> he's made some really bog standard players look amazing, man. Like, mm, look at, I mean, they've got, it's not like they've just um, taken that Newcastle team, moved it on and brought in a whole new 11. They have raised the level of existing players like Murphy, like Joe Linton, like Cher, um, uh, like I say Dan Byrne, I know he came in, but obviously Dan Byrne, I think they've taken him from what he was doing at Brighton. And then, you know, I didn't expect what I'd been from him. Trippier, they've got the best out of. Bruno Gimaraes is the biggest regret as an Arsenal fan I have in the transfer window. Reminded me of these things, man. Why on God's green earth? Is he not in North London? I don't know, man. If Bruno Gimaraes was playing in our left eight position, and this isn't a slight on Granit Xhaka in any way, but if he was playing in that left eight role, I have no doubt that we probably would have won the league this season based upon what we've seen. He would have been that good for us. So quality. That's good. Our boy Joel Willock's out there doing well for them, man. 100%. Uh, Sam Maximan, who used to be their best player, has barely figured and they've not missed him. And Miguel yeah. Almoron, another player that's gone to another level as well at that club. And then they've brought in Callum Wilson recently. Then they brought in Alexander Isaac, who's obviously we know a great footballer and we were linked to again and the price tag was kind of always a bit should we go there but I think he's looking to justify that investment. Now it's looking like maybe we should really with some of the things he's doing. So I my head thinks that we'll drop points in this game and I don't think yeah but if Arsenal can go into it and play the way that we know that we can play and we're capable of putting in a performance that is controlling. Because without the ball, Newcastle are good defensively. But also without the ball is that you you do take away the ability of players to, to do what they do best, which is obviously yeah, like... We're not talking about exactly, et cetera. Exactly. So the best way we got of winning that game is by having the most possession, which I know sometimes Arsenal have the most possession in games and still don't win, and it's not everything. But against a side like Newcastle, I think if you can keep the ball as much as possible, you give yourself the best chance of winning this game. Um, but you have to be clinical because the chances that you get, and they are going to be few and far between, I think, you have to take them. And that's got, that's what will be different between the two teams. Is I, if you have... If Gabriel Jesus is in front of goal and Alexander Isak is in front of goal, I'm backing Isak at the moment more than I am Jesus to finish off the chance. So that's the question mark about this game is that when they get the chances and when they come, who's going to take them at the moment? That's why my head feels like Newcastle will probably take more from this game is because I, I have more faith in their finishers than I do in our own right now. So, But I'll still go with the optimism and say Arsenal will win 2-1. I'm going to go with 2-1 as well. I think first thing that kind of scares me is that, unfortunately, as a team, we're a bit naive. They're very street smart. And all it needs is a second to change a game. I'm expecting a physical test. I'm expecting the, the atmosphere to play a part. I'm expecting them to make the most of set pieces. I'm expecting them to be confident as they should. I hope it's a bit like the Emirates where I kind of fought all of these things. And then they came to the Emirates and it seemed like they was a bit intimidated. They they kind of bought into the Arsenal hype. They sat back. We should have had a penalty. We had, a, we had an inability to break down a low block. Obviously, to keep our tiny... Uh, title hopes alive. We need to win. They're probably going to be in the champs, but they're going to have to keep going until it's uh, is sealed. So I think it should be a good good game of contrasting styles. I think Eddie Howe deserves all these plaudits. Like you, if I had to go with what I truly believe, I think we drop points. I just think it's a test too much for us, but I'm just going to go with 2-1 Arsenal, really. I want us to 
avenge the sins of last year. And I, I can't remember his comments, but I remember reading something about Xhaka and how he felt. And he said how oh, they outmatched us, they outfought us. For someone who's prideful like Xhaka, and I have to assume he's speaking for the whole team, as professional athletes, it can't be nice accepting that. You know, you can accept losing, you can accept people being better than you, but people wanting it more, being more competitive, not really having a sniff, I think that's difficult. And I think we need to kind of right that wrong. And as much as we've been good away from home, there has been grounds that we kind of struggle at, that we haven't won at. You know, Goodison Park, St Mary's, Old Trafford, uh, Anfield still have gone without us as great as this season is. That record isn't quite with St James's Park, but I want us to win there. And that's a ground where I've seen us go 4 nil up and not walk away with three points. So I don't want any complacency if we put one or two past them, man. So I'm like you, I'm going to back it and say two on Arsenal. Holding said we need to win all our last games. Hopefully we've got a positive, you know, kick up the backside now with beating Chelsea, not to where it's complacency. And hopefully when you're doing your reviews and I'm doing my reviews, it's something positive, man. But Tom, this has been a fantastic, I think it says 55 minutes. What content have you got to come out today? I know you've probably been streaming this morning and whatnot. You know, you don't sleep, mate. Like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. The 8am show is up and out. Um, and uh, we do that every morning at 8am UK time. Uh, we'll have a preview going out for the Newcastle game, most likely tomorrow. Uh, and then I'll be there on Sunday uh, for the long trip up from coming back on Monday. Um, so shame that it's a 4.30 kickoff. I much prefer it to be midday-ish for a Newcastle because it means you can get up and back in the same day. But 4.30 makes things trickier. Uh, my thoughts yeah. go out to Charles Watts, who's going to be driving up and back on the same day, which is a hell of a task. Um, Commitment but, uh, and a heart. Shout out to Charles, man. That's a madness. Yeah. Indeed. I'm going to be staying in a hotel. Very, very happy to hopefully enjoy the evening. I had my stag do last year in Newcastle and it's a great city. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to going back and enjoying that in the evening. But uh, Hopefully it's not just positive memories, man, and there's three points for us over there, man, and we don't go out like certain North London clubs. Indeed, indeed. That shows you the task we've got. But no, always a pleasure to join you, mate. And uh, yeah, anytime, anytime. No, I appreciate it, Tom, man. I appreciate you being my on my platform. I'm always there to be available on yours. I love speaking Arsenal with you. People, as you said, as he said, better yet, 8 a.m. shows out. Go and check that out. There's probably, by the time you lot see this, there's probably even more shows. So, yes, like, subscribe, do the rest of it. Let us know your thoughts. For now, though, we're going to love and leave you. Hopefully, the next time we speak or whenever we post-match content, we be in Newcastle, people. But for now, we're out, man. Appreciate you, Tom. Let me let you get out of it. Sick, man. <laughs> I've been given like